Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We appreciate it. We have another court ruling, this one on Waters of the U.S. That came out recently. We're going to talk with Scott Yeager with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association for reaction to that. We're going to talk markets, market reaction to weather conditions. Steve Nicholson with Bravo AgriFinance will join us. And we've talked a lot about dry conditions in the western Corn Belt. It's been a different story in the eastern Corn Belt. We'll talk with an Ohio farmer today, just north of Columbus, Ohio, get a crop update from him later in the program but let's start it off we'll talk the news with todd neely with dtn todd a lot of people going up in space these days now when you go up are you going to be able to give us a report from up there can you do your uh, your bit with us uh, from yeah. you know outer space well hopefully there's wi-fi but right i mean you know <laughs> if you're going to space you got to have wi-fi well, you know, that's one of the big things we're talking about now. We need more broadband uh, coverage, right? I guess not only in rural America, but outer space too, right? Absolutely, yeah. So if you had the chance, would you go up? Um, you know, I think I would. Um, you know, who doesn't want to go to space? I mean, any kid growing up wants to go to space. You know, you watch this landing on the moon and, and all that. Why wouldn't you? You go for it. I'm down here hanging on to everything I can to stay <laughs> stay grounded here. So you, go for it. I'll be cheering you all the way. Hey, I, I mentioned a, a recent court ruling on waters of the U.S. I mean, we're, we're seeing court rulings constantly now, right, impacting different aspects of agriculture. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Um, you know, the, the latest ruling out of South Carolina was pretty much expected. You know, we've had the Biden administration from day one saying it was going to rewrite the water rule that Trump had finalized uh, in his four years. Um, this is just another one of those steps along the way. You know, they're kind of picking off all the court cases one by one and sending the rule back to the EPA. And so it really wasn't all that, you know, unexpected. But, yeah, we're it's just been uh, kind of an unprecedented time in, in all the years that I've covered agriculture. Uh, you know, we've covered the courts off and on over the years, but something has really changed in the past four or five years. It just seems like uh, there's lots of lots of uh, rulings and lots of cases that have uh, major implications for ag. Well, the phrase you used is being used a lot, sent back to EPA. Now, that either makes you feel good or it may make you feel very nervous depending on your position. But it's hard to know on some of these things how EPA is going to rule and act. Uh, we have recently had another uh, court ruling concerning the RFS and basically saying yeah. that the EPA needs to look at the environmental impact uh, of the program. Uh, I know the biofuels industry is saying, hey, this isn't all bad, just like they've said on the other uh, rulings, uh, uh, that there's some positives in there for them. But at, at some point, you're saying, wait a minute, <laughs> it seems like the courts yeah. are piling on on us here. Yeah, you know, it, that, it does, Mike, you're right. I, I think the one thing that keep in mind, uh, you know, we have a lot of these lawsuits that are filed after every uh, every action taken by EPA on the RFS, whether it be setting volumes or whatever the case may be. And a lot of these cases end up really not seeing the light of day or they, they somehow get dismissed or whatever the, you know, whatever the situation is. But lately we've had a lot of these that have really stuck, uh, you know, and, and 
decisions that maybe some people didn't quite expect, you know, on the one with the D.C. Circuit uh, here recently, uh, you know, Growth Energy had asked the court to uh, to go back and make the EPA account for uh, gallons that were weighed from the RFS. And uh, that that particular case that was part of this uh, latest ruling was completely denied by the court. And so, uh, again, I think all of these rulings and all these court actions show that uh, ultimately it's going to be the EPA uh, that makes decisions that are uh, they're either going to make or break the biofuels industry. Yep, so we wait to see what EPA does. Meanwhile, we continue to wait on Congress and an infrastructure bill, and I think they're probably going to get something through at some point. It'll be very interesting. We always often say the devil's in the details. It'll be interesting to look closely at what winds up in this bill, whatever comes out, because it seems like every day we hear about something else may be pushed into it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think things are starting to move a little bit. You know, there's a possible test vote, I guess, this week in the Senate. Uh, I don't really know what all that means, but there is uh, there is a lot of back, uh, you know, backroom negotiating going on with this. And it's really coming down to the money. It sounds like they're trying to find ways of, of paying for things like expanded uh, broadband and highways and bridges. But you're right. There just aren't any details at this point. Um, we hope that all of that's included, and we hope that rural America is is not lost and not forgotten on this, because this is where uh, this is where a lot of those needs are really are really uh, showing themselves. And leave it to Washington to complicate things. I mean, if you ask most people in this country, uh, do we need infrastructure improvement? They would say yes. And if you ask them what does that entail, they would say roads, bridges, locks, dams, broadband. That would cover most of it for most people, right? But no, in Washington, it has to be something. you, you got to get all kinds of other things crammed in there. They don't ever want to miss a chance to push something through that they want. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, uh, Mike. You know, we've seen this a lot of times where, um, you know, an issue will be, be, be debated on, on a particular bill, and it's centered on one issue or another, and you're right. Then we have all these pet projects, uh, different other types of spending that, that members of Congress want to uh, – want to finalize and um, I think a lot of times it gets lost you know the real issues get lost in all the debate and hopefully that's not the case here I think um, it seems like a rather bar- bipartisan issue and I think hopefully that um, you know they're getting closer and, and maybe we're going to figure a way out of this here pretty, pretty soon you know things are complicated enough without them making it more complicated. <laughs> if you've got something that could be a, a home run, a slam dunk for, you know, and you bring people together and let's do something work, you would think they would go for it, but no, they just can't resist piling on. No, you're right. And and I think, um, you know, in a way it's good, isn't it? I mean, we don't, you know, you don't necessarily want Congress acting on every single little issue either. I mean, there are big issues that need to be addressed, but, um, I guess this maybe is how the founding fathers envisioned that things would just slow down in the Senate. Um, and that's kind of where we're at now. I think, uh, you know, that I think it really will come down to the money. It always does. But uh, it seems this particular go around that people are really, uh, really drilling into that and, and finding ways and trying to find ways of, of paying for it. I may be wrong, and I hope I am. But I see a real nightmare ahead writing the next farm bill. <laughs> this is kind of a precursor <laughs> of what's to come on that, I think. Yeah, you know, it's, that's a great point. You know, we've already seen bipartisan work on the farm bill. Um, and you're right. It's it's a complicated piece of legislation every time it's done. I mean, there's a lot of interests that are considered. 
um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those deals that we've always seemed to find a way through it. And it's always seemed to really do a pretty good job of helping agriculture. And it's just hope that we're still not lost on that and that we can maybe get past all this bipartisan, or excuse me, all this partisanship. Well, it used to be on a farm bill. You get it through an ag committee fairly easily, but and then it would be passed by <laughs> Congress. Now, if you can get it through the ag committee, which becomes a challenge, then it's a huge yeah. challenge to get it passed in Congress. So we'll see what happens. That's a yeah. battle for another day. All right. Good to talk with you, Todd. Let us know when you're going up in space, okay? Yeah, yeah, I will. Thank you, Mike. Uh, all right. Todd Neely with DTN. Up next, Scott Yeager with NCBA. We'll talk about that court ruling on Waters of the U.S. next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, the CEO of RCAF USA, Bill Bullard. Bill, the other issue that this administration is taking on, and USDA is going to have this investigation and seeking information on what to do with meat labels. Are you encouraged by what you're hearing and seeing so far from USDA on this? Well, we're certainly pleased that USDA is now interested in doing this. But the problem is, is the problem that USDA is addressing, and that is that uh, currently the government allows imported beef products to be unpackaged and repackaged and then USDA label placed on it. The reason that problem exists is because when Congress repealed the mandatory country of origin labeling law, they also repealed the provision that said all foreign meat passing through U.S. Customs and Border Protection must retain its foreign label through retail sale. So the real solution here is, again, Congress. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Each and every day, DTN and progressive farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner too. Through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. 
This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. So last week, the U.S. District Court in South Carolina dismissed a challenge to the Navigable Waters Protection Rule and basically ensured the rule remains in effect until the Biden administration comes up with a new rule, and we're waiting to see what that may be. Joining us now to talk about it is Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Scott, thanks for joining us. First of all, your your thoughts, your reaction to this uh, latest ruling. Well, it's a, a great legal victory for farmers and ranchers across the country. Um, it is the latest court decision that shows that the Trump uh, Navigable Waters Protection Rule is legally rock solid. Um, now, you, you look at the Trump rule, which has not been struck down by a single court across this country, and that's not for lack of trying. Activists have challenged this rule in numerous courts across the country and venues that are favorable to them, but none have taken the bait. They've all upheld the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. And you compare that to the Obama administration's 2015 rule, which was struck down by multiple courts, I think you're starting to see here that uh, the NWPR, as we call it, is, uh, is the right rule. It, it is legally valid and should be upheld. So given those court victories upholding the new rule, does that tend to make us think that when the Biden administration says they're going to change it, that they'd be more apt to tweak the rule rather than a major rewrite? Certainly, we, you know, NCBA's position is that the Biden administration should maintain the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. But as you mentioned, uh, on June 9th, they uh, made an announcement that they were going to revise it. Uh, but they didn't say how they were going to do that. So there is a, there's a lot of latitude on how they can go about revising uh, this rule, and I would hope and our desire is that they keep it as close to the Trump rule as possible. Um, and I think that this latest court decision lends additional credence to that. Yeah, not only has the Biden administration come out and said they're going to make changes, I mean, it's kind of their track record, right? They're going to change as much as they can from the Trump administration. So that gets down to where might they change, how much might they change. Do we have any idea what areas they might be looking at? So the Office of Water held an agricultural stakeholder meeting right after they made that June 9th announcement, and we got to hear directly from the EPA and the Army Corps about where they felt there were deficiencies in the Trump rule. And what they basically pointed to were a number of jurisdictional determinations in in the arid southwest, namely in New Mexico and Arizona, where you had landowners go to the Army Corps, ask for a JD or jurisdictional determination, and then basically they came back negative, meaning that they did not have WOTUS on their property. And they're saying because there are a number of these JDs where there are no uh, there are no WOTUSes, we feel that that means that the Trump rule is insufficient. Which, um, you know, if you break that down, that's really not, a, in my view, and I think many others, not really a justification for undoing and replacing a, a, the Trump rule with a new one. Uh, and, and really, that, that was very telling that they don't have a whole lot of facts and substance to justify a changing course from the 2020 rule. Um, so I think they're going to be in a difficult position to make 
very broad changes. And I think they're not going to be able to go back to the 2015 rule. As I mentioned, that's been struck down in multiple courts. Um, so if they're looking at this in a way that's going to produce a defensible rule, they're going to need to thread that needle in a way that's really going to um, uh, you know, be legally defensible and also not go overbroad. Uh, but it's yet to be seen how that looks. It took the Trump administration four years to change the 2015 rule. Uh, depending on what the Biden administration tries to do, can they, could they make smaller changes quicker than that? They could. They could make smaller changes quicker than that, but it would still have to go through the federal rulemaking process, which means they have to take comment on it, has to go in the federal register. So the, the, all the process requirements that, that take so much time are, are still attached to whatever, you know, how small or however small or however big those changes are, they're still going to have to go through that process, which is good for us because that means we get to engage in that process, file comments, and, and try to get them in the right direction. Also means when you say there's a process, even a quick process when it comes to these things can take a while. So it's not going to happen overnight. Not going to happen overnight. And this latest court decision ensures that the Trump Navigable Waters Protection Rule it continues to be the law of the land until the Biden administration makes a or, or uh, finalizes a new rule. And when I say finalizes a new rule, that's a term of art here in D.C. That means they have to get through that whole rulemaking process, take comment on it, propose, make a proposal, take comment on that proposal, uh, and then do all these other procedural pieces before they can finalize that rule. And practically speaking, that buys us a year or two, if not more. As you mentioned, it took uh, mm -hmm. you know just about four years of Obama's second term to do the 2015 rule. That could happen again here, um, and and that means that the Trump rule continues to be in place during the during that time frame. Um, so that's a little bit of a, a relief, I would say, and and uh, for producers and landowners and users across the country, that this is not going to happen. <clears throat> We're not going to get blindsided by a new rule. It's going to go through the process. We'll we'll know what's coming before it gets here. And yeah, in the meantime, the Trump news. rule continues to be in place. Yeah, they can't just come out and say, "Oh, here's the new rule. You got to start going by it now." They can't do that, right? They can't do that. They can't do that. They have to comply with something called the Administrative Procedure Act, uh, which requires a lot of process and a lot of public engagement, and that underscores the need for our producers to continue to be engaged. Uh, NCBA will be, but we really also, in addition to the trade associations engaging, we need grassroots producers to to help out too and to have conversations with their local EPA regions and their local EPA ag advisors and uh, file comments so that they know that this is an issue that's very important to us and continues to be. All right, Scott, I know you've got to go. Thank you very much for the update. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So for those, and many in agriculture are among those who uh, like this new rule, from the Trump administration on waters of the U.S. like it much, much more than the old 2015 rule from the Obama administration. It looks like it, it'll take a while for the Biden administration to change it, even if they do change it. And it does seem like it's going to be based on these court rulings that keep coming in supporting and upholding the Trump rule. It seems like it will be harder for the Biden administration to make major changes to waters of the U.S. They may try, but it would seem like it's going to be harder for them to do so. And even if they are just looking at fine-tuning it, making some tweaks just so they can say they changed it and appease maybe someone who doesn't like this new rule, 
uh, even if they're going to do that, it's going to take a while. That the process that Scott talked about, you got to you got to come up with the the changes, you got to present them, you got to take comments on them, and you got to go through that whole procedure, and then you got to get them approved. So uh, it looks like, at least for the time being, it looks like we're going to have uh, continued the certainty of this new rule, the waters of the U.S. that we have now. It took so long to get to this point. Looks like it'll stay with us at least for a while till we see what the Biden administration wants to do to try to make some changes. Okay, I want to just take a moment here before we uh, take a break and come back and talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. I want to mention that next month, which is very, getting very close, but August is going to be a busy travel month for us. That's something I haven't said in a long time as we've got several events coming up, uh, taking me out of studio in August for some uh, remote broadcasts, including the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's uh, annual meeting, huge trade show. That's going to take place this year in Nashville, Tennessee, the 10th, 11th, and 12th in August. And uh, I'll be broadcasting from the NCBA convention all three days in Nashville. Also coming up in August, I'll be making a trip to Sedalia, Missouri in the Missouri State Fair. I'll be broadcasting on Monday, the 16th of August from the Missouri Farm Bureau building. Look forward to seeing a lot of folks there at the Missouri State Fair. It's been a great summer having county fairs back and now we're going moving into the state fair season and just great to have those uh, in-person events back. And of course then at the end of August we will start uh, with Farm Progress Show, August 31st, and then into September, September 1st and 2nd. So, and speaking of Farm Progress Show, as we get closer and closer now, just a little over a month, this Friday, I'll be in Decatur, Illinois, at the Farm Progress Show site. We'll get another preview, take a look at crop conditions there at the show site and in the Decatur area, and get uh, another update on plans. And we'll be talking crop conditions throughout Illinois as well. So our next Farm Progress Show preview is coming up this Friday from Decatur, Illinois. But August is going to be, these are the kind of months we used to have pre-pandemic where you have a lot of events a lot of travel a lot of things going on so we have another one of those months maybe kind of another step back to normal we hope uh, even though we know there are still concerns about the pandemic but right now it looks like a busy august coming up well all attention on the weather and crop conditions and in some areas those uh, ratings continue to go down and markets reacting. We'll talk it over with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance next here on AOA. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. 
So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, grain and oilseed prices rose overnight with the bulls pointing out the lack of significant improvement following the recent period of rains in dry northwestern areas while pointing to forecasts for warmer, drier conditions over the next couple of weeks. USDA reported generally flat corn condition ratings for the week on Monday afternoon with soybean ratings bouncing very modestly. Most notably, Iowa ratings rose following last week's rains while Illinois ratings improved as the rains finally slowed. South Dakota saw some areas of improvement due to showers, while Minnesota ratings were flat, and North Dakota saw more deterioration. Spring wheat ratings are rapidly breaking towards 1988 levels, the gold standard year for crop failure, with the drought problems spreading north over three-fourths of the Canadian prairies, impacting wheat, canola, and other crops. Now, yields in the problem northwestern belt should average below trend. The next few weeks will determine how far below trend. As we take a look here at the market trade, we saw a risk-off day yesterday, but we're starting to get some of that built back into the markets here with good strength throughout grains early on on Tuesday. September corn up 15 to 3 quarters, 571 to 3 quarters. December corn up 15 at 567 and a quarter. August soybeans up 18 and a quarter, 1446 and a quarter. November up 25 and a quarter, 1398. August bean meal up 480 a ton, 364.60. August bean oil up 85 points, 67.54. September Chicago wheat up 13 and a half, 7.11 and a quarter. September Kansas City wheat up 18 and a quarter, 6.70 and a half. September Minneapolis spring wheat up 14 and a quarter at 9.38. Hog trade is higher with August up 82 at 105.30. Cattle lower, August live cattle down 37, 119.87. August feeder cattle down 115 at 156.22. The Dow Jones up 230 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Weather, crop conditions, and markets. Let's talk about them with Steve Nicholson, grain analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, I mean, this affects so many things. I mean, you see stories about, you know, uh, cattle herd liquidation because of the weather conditions, ethanol plants having trouble getting farmers to sell corn because of crop uh, production concerns for this year. I mean, the, this thing goes in a lot of directions and touches a lot of different areas, doesn't it? 
Yeah, good morning, Mike. Good to, good to talk to you. Absolutely. I, that's the thing I think we we sometimes fail to think about, particularly when we're having big crops that, you know, well, it's a big crop and that means a low price. But when you get in a situation like this and you start a list, it, it just goes on and on and on, is that you've got the weather impacts us so so much that we it's hard to fathom all the issues. Yes, pastures drying up. So you do start to see, do you see cattle folks start to liquidate? Yeah, and we've seen some of that in the Dakotas. Uh, you know, you have this soil, mo- you know, the soil moisture content, whether it's topsoil or subsoil moisture, is so low in the Western Corn Belt. You know, now you have people on the irrigation side worried about, um, you know, do you have enough groundwater? I mean, we're already seeing that in California where they're now drilling. I mean, they're going after groundwater for irrigation of, you know, fruits, or veg- you know, fruits, nuts, and vegetables out there. And the concern is that that water table is, you know, going down really, really fast. And how does it get replaced in the middle of a drought? Um, you have crop conditions which are stable nationally, but we know that varies by region because of what's happening. Um, and, of course, just the impact on crops, whether it's corn, wheat, spring wheat, um, all the crops are, you know, having are having their struggles. Um, and the, the thing is, it's like a tale of two cities. We have some areas of the, of the Corn Belt getting way too much rain. Um, there's parts of Missouri here two weeks where for the 4th of July, they were getting, they had, we had, I had one farm I talked to had 15 and a half inches that week before the 4th of July. I mean, that's just way too much rain. And it just, it's, it, you know, you can't, where do you, where do you start and stop and try to figure out? And, you know, farmers in the Western Corn Belt are really, you know, they're really stunned. What do I do? How do, what, what do I, I don't want to miss these good prices, but I also don't know what my crop's going to be. And we've had some of the Western Corn Belt, like in Northwestern Iowa, got some rain. Their crops really perked up and looked good, and they're like, well, this is good, but I'm still worried because I know there's not much reserve. So it, And when you look at the forecast for the next couple weeks, it's generally warmer and drier, and that's exactly what we don't need. We need, as we've talked about all summer long, you and I have talked about we need timely rains, and if we get a stretch here of hot, drier time for the next two weeks, you know, that could be a real challenge in this time of year because we're starting to pollinate, fill, you know, fill kernels. You know, the bean crop is at that point where it needs, it needs to get, you know, gives a good shot of rain would really help it along here. Um, and I don't know if it could wait all the way to Labor Day like we had that one year uh, where we saw that Labor Day rain perk the bean crop up. So it, and crop conditions are not showing trend line, in my view, are not showing trend line yields like USDA shown. Um, so it, it's just, it, yeah, where do you start, you know? And, and what's so different about this year? I mean, almost every year there are areas that are, that are struggling and uh, you feel for those people. It's bad for those folks in, that, in those areas in that particular year. But when you step back and look at the big picture, you say, oh, we got plenty of grain, right? Well, this year with the tighter stocks, it's a whole different scenario, isn't it? That's right. I mean, you, we, and, and I think we also, you know, I'm always, I have to say this as an analyst, you know, I'm always reluctant to jump on the drought bandwagon because you just never know for sure during the year. But we came into this very well telegraphed that we were in a drought situation. And, and we're not the only place. I mean, we have tight stocks here of corn, soybeans, and wheat's getting tighter. But we have issues in, in Ukraine. In Russia, it's been dry. It's too wet in northern Europe where wheat's being harvested. And, and been harvested, and it's you know it's been dry in South America. I mean, Brazil and Argentina both had their issues, and so and it's not 
it's just not one region, like you said. And the other thing that is just an observation is, you know, typically, and I'll, I'll speak from being a, a Corn Belt kid, you know, we have a drought year and then it's over, you know. But think about what happened with drought in the Western Corn Belt last year. We still have drought in the Western Corn Belt corn belt last year and i need to look at the brazilian numbers but i think the last two out of four years and maybe even more they've had dry conditions and so these conditions are very persistent whether it's too dry or whether it's too wet and so we're not getting that that relief or that as a sigh hoping that we you know saying that well we'll be better next year where you don't really know there's a lot more uncertainty around that whether you'll have that good crop next year because you don't know if mother nature will be cooperative Um, So it just adds another layer of risk to this market. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. So if you're in an area where things are looking pretty good, you've got got good options, right? But if uh, for the others wondering how much am I even going to grow – uh, doesn't matter what the price is if you don't know if you got anything to sell or very much to sell. So that makes marketing really challenging for everybody. Because if you are in one of the good areas, you're saying, oh, well, maybe I hold on here, not price too much, right. because the demand is going to be so great for what I've got that the price is bound to go up. So these are tough decisions for everyone. Yeah, these are extremely tough decisions for everyone. And, and you know, let's, I want to, you know, I'll go back, always fall back to the banker. I can hear the banker talking in my ear or talking to a client. You know, if you're in, and we'll focus on the eastern corn belt, if you're in the area where you've had good moisture and your crops look tremendous, and there's some even in the western corn belt that look tremendous, you know, you have this rally here you've seen in corn and soybeans um, and wheat for that matter. Um, you know, these are, you know, these are good opportunities. Let's remember how volatile the corn market has been or the soybean market, any of the markets, and we're seeing this uptrend. And let's not forget that this is an opportunity to lock in profit margin this year and next year and so on. Um, Not saying, again, not selling to sell the whole farm, but if you haven't sold anything, here's that opportunity to do that. As you come west, the challenge of marketing becomes even more. What, What do you do because you are concerned about what you have? And if you haven't, if you've sold something already, I, I think that was a good move. You know what your worst crop ever was, and so you take it at a very incremental pace. I mean, I've talked to several producers who have been very disciplined about selling crop in the Western Corn Belt. They have, you know, they're taking 5 and 10% increments and just getting to a place where they're third, 40% sold and saying, okay, I, I feel better about that. I've got something sold. I know that what my, you know, I know what that means from a yield perspective, so I feel okay about that. You have to kind of put your pencil to paper a little bit more, and maybe you have to use two envelopes to figure this out, but you have to think about it that way. Um, now, granted, if you're in the Dakotas, and I'll be very, you know, that's a really tough situation because it has been dry throughout, and you really haven't had much rain to help you, and so that becomes a more difficult. But it, it is, you have to do the work and think about what is your worst crop, what do you think you'll produce looking at it here if it's dry on out and then market accordingly. But, you know, keep in mind, if you lock in some margins, this is a good time to do that um, and take advantage of that. Everyone sleeps better at night. It's some of those places in the dry areas like the Dakotas, you get a rain, you're you're thankful for it, but when there's not much more in the forecast and you didn't get enough to make too big a difference, you're just thinking, okay, that just kind of prolonged what I'm going to have to deal with at some point, right, or face up to. 
Yeah, and, and you have no reserve. I mean, the topsoil moisture, while it has been recharged a little bit in those areas, but there's very little subsoil moisture, and so you don't have the reserve. It makes it very difficult to go forward because you really don't know what's in front of you. And when you look at the forecast, um, you know, I look at the good news right now when I think about I sit in St. Louis, you know, we've, we're plenty of moisture here, but I am starting to see a little bit cooler nights, a little bit cooler mornings, so that's helpful to the crop as well. Yeah, and I, I was talking to someone yesterday about look at the skies, not just for the weather, but the skies will tell you something else. I, here in West Central Illinois, where we've had rain, I look at the skies, yep. I'm seeing planes and helicopters, fungicide going on. That means farmers feel good about a crop, <laughs> right? And they're they're good wanting part. to uh, really do what they can because they feel there's going to be a return on investment uh, by the fungicide application. You get other places, you're saying is it, that wouldn't probably wouldn't be worth it because the prospects don't look that good. Yeah. No, that's right. And and we haven't even talked about the South, but you think about the Delta and how much rain they've had there. And, you know, people say, well, that's what rice wants. Well, the rice wants rain and soda beans and, and cotton, but they also want time when it's hot and humid too. And they're not, they're getting the humidity because they're getting all the rain, but they're not getting the heat. It's just too much rain. So it, it's a really difficult, it's just, You'd think, well, last year was a difficult management decision. You know, every year seems like it gets more difficult, and this is really a challenging year all the way around. So it's a weather market, and markets are going to react to Absolutely. crop ratings yep. and and weather forecasts, right? Yeah, that's right. We are we've been in this weather market since April, and so you know, I guess my always advice is expect volatility. That's what we're getting. It we're seeing it in equities as we've seen yesterday, and you know, you worry a little bit about COVID. Um, well, you worry a lot about COVID, and can it come back in a in a surge that's you know detrimental to the economy and detrimental to markets overall? And, and you know we've seen those dips, we've seen those dips in ethanol usage and gasoline usage, uh, and so you have to be a little bit concerned about what's coming down the pike there and be prepared for that. But you know that just means more volatility in these markets, and so when you see these upticks as we're seeing right now, take advantage of them, take that money, you know get that profit, put it in the bank, and move forward. All right, Steve, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Take care. Steve Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. So, again, it's a year of extremes. Western Corn Belt dry. Eastern Corn Belt, a lot different story. We're going to go to the Eastern Corn Belt. We're going to talk with a farmer in Columbus, Ohio, just north of Columbus, Ohio. Get a crop report from there next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP. 
so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. For the second month in a row, the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer declined, falling 21 points below a month earlier and the weakest sentiment reading since July of 2020. Here to talk about it is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Michael, what's your takeaway from this? The index of current conditions and the index of future expectations fell But the index of current conditions fell much more steeply. And we think one of the reasons why the index fell so hard is if if you look at when we surveyed people in mid-May and then uh, the week of June 21st to 25th, both corn and soybean futures price fell dramatically. If you look at the the soybean futures, we saw a drop of about $2.50, very large drop from mid-May to mid-June. There's the nearby corn futures dropped about 80 cents. And so even though the prices are still relatively strong, certainly those prices are weaker. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And our guest today is Dustin Holland, CHS Director of Trading and Renewable Fuels, to explain the basics of renewable diesel. Dustin, there's a lot of discussion right now about renewable diesel and biodiesel with all the climate goals that are being set and how biofuels might fit into those plans. So let's break this down. What's the difference between renewable diesel and biodiesel? Yeah. Hi, Mike, and thanks for having me on today. Uh, So renewable diesel and biodiesel are both high quality fuels. They can be uh, produced using the same feedstocks, so vegetable oils, animal fats, used cooking oil, distillers, corn oil. Biodiesel is produced through a process called transesterification, whereas renewable diesel is produced through a hydro-treating process, which is similar to petroleum refineries. The main difference between the two fuels is that renewable diesel can generally be distributed in existing infrastructure, whereas biodiesel generally requires separate storage and handling due to its cold weather properties. But as you mentioned, both fuels are eligible for the renewable fuel standard as well as low carbon fuel standard programs. So how does renewable diesel compare with petroleum diesel? Sure, Mike. Uh, renewable diesel meets the renewable or the diesel specification set by ASTM, so it's essentially the same as diesel. Uh, it, renewable diesel also has some favorable attributes, such as it's naturally high in cetane. However, uh, renewable diesel is very expensive. Its use is driven by the renewable fuel standard and LCFS programs, as well as a tax, a tax credit. 
That's Dustin Holland, CHS Director of Trading and Renewable Fuels. Thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, certainly a lot of weather and crop challenges. We've talked about the dry conditions in the West. Uh, We've talked about some areas in the Midwest that have had too much rain. And we've heard that, for the most part, it's been pretty good in the eastern Corn Belt. Well, let's go to the state of Ohio, just north of Columbus, Ohio. Cy Prettyman Farms there, and he joins us now. Cy, how are things looking in your area? Uh, We look pretty green right now, Mike. Uh, We have been fortunate uh, compared to others to have gotten adequate rains throughout the growing season so far. Uh, This kind of came off a week where we did have some excessive rains in some areas. So as I traveled about here in the last day or two, we're seeing some beans that are, you know, lightening up in color and stressing a little bit due to too much moisture. Um, Not so much on the corn side, but uh, we are seeing a little bit of that, as I know some of the other parts of the Midwest are experiencing too. How have your temperatures been? We've had some hot uh, temperatures at times, but nothing excessive. Uh, we really got a great week lined up this week where we've got highs in the you know, 80s, mid-80s, but the overnight temperatures are dropping down into the 60s, so uh, should allow for, for that corn to respirate properly. And uh, you know, So nothing that way that's really causing us a lot of, a lot of stress. So again, a long ways from being in the bend, but right now you're feeling pretty optimistic. Yeah, very optimistic in this area. Um, Most of the crops got planted timely, and we've had a good growing season, so the potential right now looks really good uh, for some outstanding yields. We'll have some spots out there that may take the edge off of it, Um, but all in all, yeah, everybody in in my immediate area is feeling pretty optimistic. Anything popping up along the lines of disease or insect problems? Seeing a little bit of insect feeding, uh, nothing that's extremely bad some grasshopper some bean leaf beetle you know uh, working on working on stuff but uh, not excessive corn's just getting into that uh, we're starting to see some fungicide being flied on, flown on um, you know we're starting to, most of the late april and early may corn is pollinated and and then when we we kind of had a little window in there where we were wet and then didn't get back until like middle of may and a lot of that's just starting to uh, shoot a few tassels now so I imagine guys will be doing treatments uh, where needed uh, over the next couple of weeks with fungicides. I know your heart goes out to those uh, in areas of uh, drought conditions that are really struggling this year. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's hard to talk about sitting here with a really nice opportunity when I know others that are uh, that don't have that opportunity. One of the gentlemen that works part-time for me just got back from, from further out in the West, and uh, he said it's unbelievable on uh, – the, the, some of the drought conditions that he saw in those areas. So that is tough for those guys for sure. So the potential that you have right now, when you look back at other good crops that you've had, you're sitting here late July now, uh, you think this could be one of your better crops? I think it will be, yeah. 2018 was our best year uh, as far as yields, both on corn and beans. Um, we challenged that a little bit last year on the bean side, um, but this year 
a lot of the guys are talking they think it could be as good or better than than what 2018 was in this area so yeah we're I'm thinking it could be right there. We'll we'll know uh, later this fall exactly how things pan out, but it looks really good right now if we get some, you know, we're set up good now on moisture through pollination, I think, on this corn, and then we'll need some more rain, obviously, for grain fill and then to finish out the beans as we get into August, but uh, I, I'm pretty happy with where we're setting. We know conditions can vary within a state. Uh, what are you hearing from other parts of your state of Ohio? Um. Most of what I'm hearing is pretty good, other than some areas where I've got some excess rains. Um, you know, we've got a dry week setting up this week, so hopefully that'll give those plants a chance to recover and, and get going again. But I have seen, as I've been out and about, definitely some stress happening that way. But overall, uh, I'm not really hearing it, uh, specific areas that are too too wet or too dry. Um, they got a little wet. Some of the uh, wheat harvest got delayed. Uh, they got in earlier in good shape, but then there was some, there's still some wheat I've seen out uh, that hasn't been harvested yet. So that quality on that has deteriorated and that could be trouble for some of those guys. So other than a few problems like you just talked about, overall, mm-hmm. it sounds like this has been a fairly stress-free year so far for your crops. Um. Yes and no. I mean, we, we get in early, but then, you know, some of that went through some pretty good stress early on uh, because of some cold, the colder temperatures and, and moisture we had early in the growing season. And then there are some areas I know in southwestern part of the sta- uh, state that was delayed due to too much rain in the spring, uh, getting some crops planted down in that area. So just, just pockets of areas that had their challenges just like any other year. Um, and I think you've seen that across Illinois, too, that, you know, there's right. some variation from across the state, too, as to where that's been. For me personally, yeah, it's not um, a little stressful there in early spring with getting in early and then kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for that crop to get up out of the ground. But other than that, yeah, it's been pretty nice. Yeah, there's always some stress. It's just less for you oh, in, your, in your area than usual, for sure. And uh, not that you want anything bad to happen to somebody else but these other areas that are struggling that supports price you're looking at a pretty good price with a pretty good crop yeah yeah so yeah we're setting up really well that way um unfortunately that's typically what it takes right somebody else has to suffer a little bit to to uh, to allow for those prices to come up uh and uh, we see that you know so i think that happens sometimes we're on the other end of that and uh, so we, we we feel for those guys yeah, you know, some years it's in your favor, some years it's not, that's for sure. But it makes for some interesting yeah. marketing decisions for you, right? Do you, you, you book, you selling a lot early or you're going to kind of wait and see where this rally goes? A little bit of both. Um, trying to, uh, trying to get some sold here, obviously some profitable levels. So you might as well grab some of that uh, while we can. And then, you know, there's always a little bit of that. You're saying, well, what, what could happen? Uh, what, what's, what's this crap how's the crap going to finish out and what's demand going to be and and uh, so we'll we'll probably hold on to some of that and it'll depend on yields too you know how much right. extra we have there to to sale based off of our uh, normal yields well glad things are looking good we'll talk again about harvest time and uh, see how things are then okay si that sounds great mike thanks a lot take care si pretty many farms in ohio just north of columbus ohio things looking pretty good there all right that's going to do it for today thank you so much for joining us here on aoa hope you'll join us again tomorrow have a great day everyone
Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.